This episode is brought to you by DailyDrip.com. Daily Drip makes keeping up to date on programming skills easier. You already know how much time it takes to find good resources and learn new languages. What if the hard part of that was already done for you? Sign up for Daily Drip and pick a topic that you want to learn about. Want to learn Elixir? How about Elm? Maybe you want to brush up on your CSS and HTML. Every weekday you'll get a short video or reading delivered to you via email. The best part is that it only takes 5 minutes a day. Use coupon code GEEKERY to save $5 on your first month and make learning a part of your daily routine with DailyDrip.com. Part here are some conference announcements before we get into this week's episode. First up, Polyconf 2016 will be taking place from the 30th of June through the 2nd of July. Confirmed speakers include Douglas Crockford, Distinguished Architect at PayPal and Jason Discover, Julia Evans, Machine Learning Expert at Stripe, Guy Bedford, JSPM Creator, and Andreas Rumpf, NIM Language Creator. Tickets are on sale and cost only 192 euros, and listeners to the podcast can email hello at polyconf.com and they will give you a personal discount. Visit polyconf.com to keep updated and sign up for newsletter updates and register. Curion is taking place July 18th and 19th in Rome. Curion is a rare event where academic minds responsible for concepts and tools now invaluable to everyday software development, like functional programming or generics in Java, collide with the movers and shakers in industry that are building next-generation systems and developing software engineering practices central to our entire industry. Visit curry-on.org to find out more and register, and your ticket is good for all of the European Conference of Object-Oriented Programming as well. Full Stack Fest will be held in Barcelona on September 5th through the 9th. It will be comprised of two main blocks, with a gap day in between. You can check out 2016.fullstackfest.com to find out more. Erlang User Conference is coming up in Stockholm, Sweden. The conference will be taking place on the 8th and 9th of September, with tutorials on the 7th, and training running the 6th through the 16th of September. Early bird tickets are now available, and you get a 10% discount on the conference when you use the code FUNCTIONALGEEKERY10. Visit www.erling-factory.com slash EUC2016 to register and to find out more. And if you know of any other conferences around functional programming, email contact at functionalgeekery.com and I will be happy to announce them. Lastly, if you're enjoying Functional Geekery, please help spread the word. If you'd leave a rating and or review on iTunes or your favorite podcast directory, or even share your favorite episodes on social media, I need your help to spread the word about Functional Geekery. And if there are any guests or topics that you want to hear from or about, please reach out and email contact at functionalgeekery.com and I'll put them on my notes for future episode ideas. Thank you for listening and for all your support. Welcome to Functional Geekery. I'm Rose Proctor, and this week with us, we have Scott Nimrod. Scott, would you mind telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hey, everybody. My name is Scott Nimrod. I've been a guest on several podcast shows. In addition to that, I decided to call myself a .NET supremacist. I'm in love with the .NET ecosystem, and I am actually... On my journey, perhaps I could discuss my journey of functional programming, uh, specifically with F-Sharp. I have been building software for 13 years. I've worked in cities from Cleveland to Pittsburgh to Manila, Philippines. I just really enjoy engineering. I love to learn. And my whole mentality is the more I learn, the more I demonstrate what I've learned, the more I'm worth. And so that's my drive. That's pretty much it. That's a brief I don't know, summary of who I am. So I came across your blog from a comment you made on the podcast. And so I wanted to get you on. And when you said you came in, you were coming in as a novice, still getting into it. And you're not, didn't feel like you're an expert, but I still wanted to get you on because I think that's still a valuable thing. Plus you've got more experience doing F sharp than some of us. So it's still interesting to see that journey or just the journey of someone who's still relatively recent to coming into functional programming. So what was that journey like and what made you want to book into F-sharp and functional programming? So this is a pretty drawn out answer to your question, but I'll try to consolidate it as much as possible. I ended up having to take a contract out of state in a town that I really did not want to go to. But, you know, I have to handle my business. And so I looked at this. I'm trying to change my mentality or my view on things. And instead of always saying, woe is me, why do I have to experience this? I've been trying really hard to discipline myself into taking whatever comes my way and trying my hardest to convert 
that into an opportunity. So to make a long story short, even though I viewed this as a prison sentence in which I'm going to give five or six months of my life to being somewhere that I don't want to be, but I need to pay my bills, I need to make money. I also viewed it as, well, if I'm going to treat this as a prison sentence, then let me do this bid and let me come out a better person. So for me to come out a better person, perhaps this is a grand opportunity for me to learn functional programming, specifically F-sharp, because I work in the .NET stack and I can relate more to, to the .NET paradigm than I can any other paradigm within object-oriented programming. So that's a brief summary of why I chose to dabble with functional programming. It's because I wanted to use my time wisely in an area that I wasn't too keen on um, spending my time there. So what about the F-sharp community or language or functional programming in general attracted you to begin wanting to take that look and take that learning thing? What was the thing that sparked that said, well, if I've got to do this and I'm going to start to learn something, I'm going to look at F-sharp and functional programming versus just anything else in that .NET ecosystem. So one of the biggest things that just drives me and my career is <laughs> I want to be the best. And it might sound really silly, but I'm dead serious. I really want to be the best. And so in order to do that, you know, I feel or believe that one strategy is to differentiate myself from my competition. So how can I set myself apart from my competition? How can I have more solutions? How can I have more options? How can I have a larger arsenal compared to you know other developers for the job that I want that I have to compete with? And so that kind of made me look at functional programming as an area of interest for me to invest my time and understand a way, or at least seek to understand a way that people are solving problems completely different from the way that I've been doing it. The way that I've been doing it is being an unofficial disciple of Uncle Bob, and whatever he preaches, I immediately absorb and apply it, kind of with a dogmatic behavior. And it's worked well for me, but... I feel like that doesn't really separate me from the rest of my competition. So how can I really establish myself? How can I really attain visibility? And I saw functional programming as something that would be awesome to put on my resume. And I also saw that perhaps documenting my journey of learning functional programming would also be beneficial, both as a reference or a set of references for me to refer back to as I hit reoccurring patterns of developing solutions for particular problems, and also for other people to observe my journey and for me to prove my experience, even though it may not be professional for a client. I think that creating my own katas and then sharing what I've learned and then sharing how stupid my solution was originally and trying to iterate on what I had originally, I, I think that demonstrates experience. And so that's what I've been trying to do. It's been a challenge, but that's the short answer. I, I want to be a better developer. I want to be the best in the state of Florida. And as silly as it sounds, I look at functional programming as a way to complement my skill set to set me apart from other developers. In regards to F-sharp, to answer your question, I'm really familiar with the .NET stack. And so I bought a book on Erlang, and it was just like F-sharp. <laughs> I couldn't understand it. I felt like I was Indiana Jones holding up a ladder to some hieroglyphics on the Egyptian wall, and it didn't make any sense to me. But I thought with .NET, at least I have something in common with people that work within that space and those people being functional programmers. And hopefully I could be able to relate more to that area and things will just map out for me a lot easier compared to other languages such as Clojure or Haskell or Erlang or Elixir. So that's, I'm sorry for the drawn out answer, but that that's the truth. That's good. And it's very insightful to see the reasons why people choose what they do. So 
the one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on too was just the F sharp, and it's been a while, and I had a couple people on to talk about F sharp, and I first had exposure to it back in the .NET days and growing up, and watching it kind of like grow as it progressed from this weird little niche language that was a research project that no one was really going to be using to a stronger community. And there's a number of people in that community that have made great progress in bringing it about and making it a pretty much a first-class language for people to have an option to use in their .NET ecosystem. So what is some of the stuff you found when you've had to take and go and learn F-sharp and how did you find the on-ramp there coming from just either VB.NET or C-sharp, I'm assuming, and making that transition into just starting and picking up F-sharp from the beginning? What was that path like coming through and just getting started from scratch? The short answer is it was painful. It's not me knocking F-sharp. It's me uh, just telling the truth. So here's a brief history, Okay. I had in college, I actually went to college and, and, and completed it, which is kind of different from where I come from, the lifestyle that I come from. I, you know, I had to take discrete mathematics twice, right? I didn't think I would ever have to <laughs> reference discrete mathematics ever, right? But I had to take that class twice in order for me to get my CIS degree. I had to take data structures and algorithms twice, you know? So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because... I'm not built like that. I, I I don't have a brain that's built for mathematics. My brain is built for theory and perhaps engineering, but it's not built for formulas and equations. So the, the biggest struggle has been for me to take this language that has been pretty much invented by Microsoft Research and all of a sudden have to familiarize myself with certain terminology just to understand what people are saying when I post these questions and they provide me comments or answers. And so I guess the first answer to your question is when it's a new language, it's a new language. Not only is it the syntax, but it's a terminology within the that particular field of the industry that for someone that's a complete virgin to this game, like that was the biggest hurdle. In ways, it still is. There's still some terminology that's, that gets thrown my way on Stack Overflow where I, I find myself having to Wikipedia it or go to some research white paper. But that's the biggest barrier. In regards to my journey of picking up F-sharp, I said to myself, well, man, this stuff is really cryptic to me. Like, I'm looking at these code snippets I don't have a clue what this is doing. Again, it looks like it looks like Egyptian hieroglyphics to me. And I, I don't know what it means. I mean, it looks really pretty. When I'm looking at the text editor, it looks pretty, but I, I don't know what, what it does. And so, you know, there's some steps that I took, right? So one of the steps is, all right, well, even though my mind isn't built for mathematics, I need to do something cool with this that people would think would be cool, okay? So what's cool? Well, I used my first job was in the field of robotics, and I really didn't understand that. But you know what? Since the F-Shark community is trying their hardest to break down these limiting belief systems or these stereotypes about F-Sharp and other functional programming languages only being targeted for academia... And um, only, you know, brilliant minds that have PhDs in mathematics are the people that can actually harness this programming language. Let me try to demonstrate that little old me, who's not built for that, can leverage this language and do something cool with it. And so I think my first real exercise, I might have created some codes on my own, but my first real exercise was investing in a, a Lego Mindstorm set. And I'm like, .NET is .NET is .NET. So anything that I can do in C Sharp, theoretically, they preach that I can do in I can do in F Sharp. So you know what? I'm going to put together a Lego Mindstorm, and I'm going to write the instructions in F Sharp, and I'm going to make this robot make sounds and move its motors back and forth, 
And if I can get that, that will be a great step. And I'm going to broadcast that. And that should give F Sharp some publicity and also discourage the stereotype that everything with F Sharp is mathematical. Look at me. I'm sending instructions to a Lego Mindstorm with F Sharp syntax. So it took me maybe maybe several days of watching MSDN's Channel 9 videos and reading some documentation and asking questions on Stack Overflow. But I was able to do that. I was able to, with maybe a dozen lines of code, make a Lego Mindstorm robot move back and forth and toot its horn. And once I was able to do that, it didn't click with me yet, but I, I saw a potential saying, hey, you know what? I made this robot move. I'm just like a little kid, right? I'm like, wow, I made this robot move. And I did it with this language that I don't even understand. So, okay, great. I was able to do this. Let me hurry up and write a blog post about what I did. I'm not going to be too detailed, but I just want to publish the code that I wrote and my observations. So I went ahead and did that. And then after I did that, I just started creating katas, man. I just... I decided to, okay, let me simulate a, a game of 33, a basketball game of 33. A couple of days ago, I, I wrote a simulation for a baseball game. And the whole point of it is to kind of internalize the F-sharp syntax and the functional way of, of doing things. And something that kind of blew my mind is when you – shift paradigms, or at least when I shift paradigms, you don't just learn about the programming language. Based on my discoveries, you learn about that ecosystem, okay? So when I started getting into F-sharp and trying to understand what F-sharp is and how I can use F-sharp to do the same thing uh, I've been doing in C-sharp, I pride myself on test automation, hence TDD. But when I started studying F-sharp, and researching how to put together automated tests with F-sharp solutions, then I got introduced to test mutations. I got introduced to property-based testing. And that property-based testing kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wow, I've never heard of this type of machinery before. Why haven't I heard about this with C-sharp or Java? But I do hear about it with functional programming. Let me dig more into this. And so... To make a long story short, I started building, I guess, a stronger attraction for functional programming, not just for the languages themselves, but also the tools that kind of associate with them. And it's been an amazing journey. I've even invested hard-earned money on taking a pilgrimage to NDC London, which is a, a developer conference. And I went over there to meet some of the thought leaders that I see on YouTube videos and the people that have consistently answered my questions on Stack Overflow regarding F-sharp and functional programming. And a way I look at it was I have three days to learn from the best, or at least the people that expose themselves to the community as the people that I can learn from. And it's been very enjoyable. So when you first started that Lego Mindstorm, you said that was your first real project in it, right? I think project is overkill, but it was my first serious experiment, yes. So what was the just getting started up and running? Was that Because that was part of what I had heard in the beginning days was it was tricky to even just get F-sharp up and running and compiling if you were just trying to even do the basic Hello World style program. And then you went on and actually integrated it with Mindstorms. So what was that flow like? Was that pretty streamlined for being inside Visual Studio or whatever else you use in your daily workflow and then just starting a new F-sharp project? Or was there still a lot of trying to understand how everything's set up in an F-sharp style project aside from the syntax and everything just to kind of like get your first Hello World style thing going? Yeah, so for me, the workflow is different, but maybe because it's for me. So what does it mean when I say that? I pretty much TDD everything if a client is paying for it. And so I'm kind of used to that workflow, but it wasn't native to me when I was trying to do it with F-sharp. What tends to be prevalent within the community, or at least publicized, is 
We're in C-sharp. Some people, they get this feedback cycle from red, green, refactor or, or TDD. And they just keep writing out these test methods and then they, they all go green eventually. And they just start building, building, building from that type of workflow and feedback routine. With F-sharp, it didn't really come like that easy to me. All of a sudden, within this community or this culture of doing things, people are talking about scripting. And I'm like, scripting? There's like an FSX file or something like that where you, you just write scripts and you, and, and this is your like feedback mechanism. Um, also known as the interactive window. And so I never really got that. And just recently, maybe within the last two weeks, I've been practicing on scripting or should I say scripting first. And for me, it's, it's okay, but I end up getting myself in trouble as the system or the domain that I'm building out starts becoming more complex, it it becomes, for me, more difficult to continue scripting and and get that feedback. So I've returned back to to TDD, and it's a lot easier now because I have a better understanding of of the syntax. But there's there's certain things that uh, I kind of, I might be veering off of your question, but there's, there's certain things that I just had to, I had to take into consideration that I just wasn't used to. And so in regards to building the Lego Mindstorm, the first thing was, okay, well, how do I get a hello world working? And so the Lego Mindstorm.net API is obviously written in C sharp. It's not F sharp. So what that means is within F sharp, I still have to, if this, if I'm saying this right, use kind of like C sharp constructs or I have to, I have to leverage .NET classes that have been written in C-sharp. And so it doesn't really, for me, look F-sharp-ish, but there's this object called a brick within Lego Mindstorm. And so you have to create these objects and conform to their constructors. And it's just, it's, it's kind of different. I'm sorry I can't answer your question like, you know, very concisely or directly. But it, when I say it's a whole new world, it's a whole new world. When I'm putting together the Lego Mindstorm, I feel like I'm trying to assemble Frankenstein. And it, how do I say this? I end up finding that I'm getting the community to build my program for me. I, I guess that's the simplest answer I could, I could provide you. So when I'm on Stack Overflow, I'm like, hey, I have this API. This is how it was done in C Sharp. I have no clue how to translate this in F-sharp using these .NET classes. And and so these people are holding my hand. I'm the toddler. And these are like the F-sharp gurus. Maybe they're not even gurus. They're just, they just know F-sharp. And I find that I'm asking like five questions a, a day on Stack Overflow. And starting out, people like Mark Seaman, uh, there's another person called Guy Coder, and also Tomas. I don't know how to say his last name. They're all like holding my hand and they're pretty much (laughs) giving me all the lines of code for me to build this program. And so honestly, it's a community that really wrote the program to build the Lego Mindstorm. And it was me asking them for guidance on how to do it. So, I mean, that's, that's the real truth. They're probably not aware of that, but I pretty much assembled all the examples that they provided me and put it together and was able to tether my laptop to a Lego Mindstorm to be able to make it move with an F-sharp program. And I think that covers it pretty well. And it was just about that experience of starting from scratch and getting up and running just to do the first thing, which I think you covered pretty well. There are certain things that when I say it's foreign, it's foreign. Like this whole notion of I guess in general functional programming, and again, I'm, I'm learning, right? So I'm going to sound really ignorant, but like I keep on hearing this term monoids and, uh, or monads or maybe, maybe both of them. And my understanding is there are ways, there are methods that are used to communicate with the outside world in which the outside world relies on state or anything like that. Within F-sharp, especially when I was doing this Lego Mindstorm, exercise, 
I found that to to do within the .NET API, some of these methods that are on these classes, or should I say objects, are asynchronous. And so F-sharp has this whole thing about computation expressions, which I'm like, what computation expression? Like that already sounds complicated, right? So to make a long story short, there's a lot of terminology and also libraries as well that you just have to like figure out and learn and just try to work with. And it's, when I say it's a different world, it's a different world. I'm sure to to the F-sharp community, things are pretty simple and basic, straightforward. But to someone that just comes from an object-oriented mentality, for someone that like has gone out their way to learn the Gang of Four design patterns and solid principles, and they go out their way to use every single pattern <laughs> so that they can, shall I say, gain competency, and then they shift into functional programming, there's no correlation between them. And that is the biggest struggle I think with any hardcore object-oriented developer is they try to map object-oriented programming to functional programming. And I spent like probably six weeks trying to pattern match from, okay, you know, what what does a singleton look like in functional programming? Why are switch statements and object-oriented programming today frowned upon, but discriminated unions are not. They're embraced. Like, they don't translate. And it took me like probably six weeks to just accept that. <laughs> when you think in object-oriented, everything is a nail and, and your sledgehammer is object-oriented design. And I didn't realize how much of a slave I was to that paradigm of constructing code until I started digging deeper into functional programming. And that was probably the most valuable lesson that I learned. So as you start digging in, and you're still towards the beginning, as you said, and it's a long journey and there's still a lot to learn, but what is some of the stuff that is kind of transferred back? Because you said you're doing this all on the side. You're not really using it for work yet. You're still feeling like you're ready to get up and running. What have you learned from F-sharp and how you've been exposed to things. You mentioned property testing. Like You didn't even know that this was out there. What are some of those ideas that you've learned from work, your time in F-sharp that you've kind of folded back into your object-oriented work that you do? Yeah, so it, it definitely changed the way that I write code. So the classes that I write in .NET, specifically targeting object-oriented programming, these classes are usually entities or their operations. They're one or the other for the most part. And of course, an entity represents some noun within the domain. And these entities, they don't have any behavior. They're just objects with state or properties, should I say. And then other classes are usually static classes that have, of course, static methods. And there's no static members or properties. So I just have these classes that are just nothing but really functions. And so when I say that, you know, when I write C-sharp classes, they're usually entities or they're operations. That was a side effect of me learning functional programming. And honestly, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot more. I've been building systems for about 13 years, but I know that maybe five years from now, I'll probably say, oh, man. That technique was stupid. But as of right now, it's a lot cleaner. <laughs> the way I structure my code using those two use cases of classes. And it's just more testable. and Things just tend to work easier um, and, and better for me. So that's one way that my behavior or my workflow has changed when maintaining or continuously writing local objects or implementing C-sharp code. Something else that I haven't really taken advantage of, but I am, is, is really leveraging the tools. So, I mean, when I'm in, within Visual Studio, I automatically have my layout. You know, on the right-hand side of my Visual Studio solution, it's like my dashboard. I have my maintainability indexes of the various DLLs, and I also have my code coverage window. 
And so my workflow is write some code, build it. I already have a switch on there. So for every build that I do, it's immediately going to run my unit test. And I'm, I'm able to see my workflow, right? And so that's what I've been doing. But this property-based testing, like that's really a game changer. It really is. Because as human beings, we can only think of so many use cases or scenarios. And I mean, TDD is better than, than nothing. But again, TDD is you're basically responsible for thinking of specific scenarios. It's case-based testing or scenario-based testing. That's exactly what it is. And so there's going to be some things that fall through. There's going to be some scenarios that you never considered that's going to be caught either by QA or it's going to be discovered in production. And it is what it is. As human beings, we just can't think of every single scenario. But there's more support provided on the functional side with property-based testing. This is a tool used. I like to refer to it as like machinery that pretty much it will generate a list of scenarios to test the behavior or properties of a targeted function. And it's, it's just a lot easier to, to catch issues with a function that you wrote. And so that's something that I don't see why I can't bring property-based testing into these C-sharp solutions. And that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I was recently hired as a, as a mobile architect. And so I feel like I have more authority now to bring F-sharp in-house. I mean, I'm not going to mandate. I'm still going to be pragmatic with it. But I think the majority of the reason why people continue to use Java and C-sharp, and this might come off really arrogant, but it's the truth, is because they don't know any better. And so it's really going to take people that have made software engineering a lifestyle, people that go out of their way to learn of better ways of producing high-quality, cheap software to bring these people or move these people forward into using this new type of machinery or tools to make them, well, basically to deliver higher-quality work. And so that's something that I'm definitely going to bring in is uh, property-based testing. Now, there is something else that I've learned, though, It's something that I'm struggling with because, again, I'm still a novice, right? I tend to get carried away with this whole notion of making illegal states unrepresentable. And within F-sharp, when I find myself, again, I'm a beginner, so most of the time I'm just doing it wrong. Well, when I find myself trying to rely on the compiler more than relying on, or, or translate, when I find myself relying on the compiler so that I don't have to write as many tests, as a human being, as I'm trying to design this domain, this domain model, I find that trying to make illegal states unrepresentable, it becomes really difficult with the more I discover about the problem I'm trying to solve. And I get to the point, I mean, I I posted a question on Stack Overflow last night that's kind of related to it, but I get to the point where I'm trying to take advantage of the type system. I'm trying to leverage the compiler so I can write less tests. But when I'm trying to account for all these different scenarios, that my code becomes very difficult to read. And I think programming languages aren't, for compilers, they're for human beings. Uh, it's hard to tell a Java developer that. <laughs> they're so verbose when they write their code. But that's something that as a beginner in functional programming, I'm still struggling with taking advantage of the type system and still having a legible system that people can maintain, that they can look, they can look at the functions and, and the types and they still get it. They still understand what the application or what this model is responsible for. And I'm I'm struggling with relying on a compiler and still having understandable code. So you've got a lot of stuff there that I'd want to try and unpack. So okay. one of the things you kind of mentioned was you had that dashboard set up in your IDE, a Visual Studio, with your coverage and complexity and everything else. Have you noticed that 
your functional programming stuff has moved those metrics at all. And what I'm wondering is from the perspective of even in the .NET, C Sharp, and Java ecosystems, you have people like Fowler and Uncle Bob and Eric Evans who've promoted some of these things about value objects versus entity objects and then passing in state and doing stateful testing versus behavioral testing with a bunch of mocks and stubs and dependency injection and all this kind of stuff. Have you noticed some of that stuff kind of feedback in as well and affect the way your metrics are done based off the way you've set up your code and things you've learned? Because in F-sharp, it's more intended to be pure, right? What goes in directly affects what goes out with very limited side effects. And have you noticed that informing the way you do your TDD and everything as well? Did you start from a state-based testing or a behavioral testing and has that affected at all as well? So the short answer is I haven't involved F-sharp in my professional work. And so what that means is, is my dashboard within Visual Studio that gives me my feedback or that I rely on for my feedback loop, everything is still C-sharp. And I was giving at more of, well, it's still C-sharp. Has that style changed from those lessons you've learned where you've noticed those metrics of like, oh, okay, I'm actually slowly driving down complexity compared to what I'm used to seeing because of the way that I think about, I start to think about stuff from the lessons and time in F-sharp? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm not sure because I have pretty high standards. When I'm building a, a client, a solution, or when I'm being paid to deliver a solution to a client, I mean, honestly... I, I, tr- I strive to stay at 95% code coverage. So it's it's hard for me to, and I've been doing that before learning F-sharp. And so it, it's, it's, I don't, I think it's challenging for me to be able to, to evaluate if F-sharp has really improved the complexity of my C-sharp programming. I don't think I can answer that right now didn't know what kind of style of testing you were doing before if you were writing development was yeah it's more state-based testing if i could say that but f-sharp f-sharp does have something that i haven't worked with before that i think is really cool so so what i mean is this um it it might be my ignorance and maybe people maybe there's a a better solution but I, i wasn't aware of it within c sharp you know i would like stub out or mock out various I guess I would say objects that rely on some interface. So what that means is I would have to, within my solution, I always have a project called test API. Okay. My test API is, is going to be a library of mocks and stubs and constants and reusable objects that I reference over and over again within my test scenarios. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because the workflow has always been for me that whenever I want to write to a database or do anything that involves communicating with the outside world, or maybe not even communicating with the outside world, publishing some message to the outside world, I usually find myself creating a class that's supposed to represent a, a mock or a stub, have that class implement that interface, and I do that every single time. For every interface that I have that I'm testing, I end up creating a mock class that's in a completely different file. And so why am I saying all this? I'm saying this because within F-sharp, I wish I could look it up right now. I've never used it, but I thought in F-sharp they have this object expression yeah, I think this is it. Within F-sharp, they have this notion of an object expression, and someone can comment or correct me later on, in which you can, you basically can create an anonymous object that derives from that interface right there within your unit test. If I have this right, again, I haven't practiced this. I just, I just remember seeing it and say, oh, that's really cool. So what that means is, Gone are the days, theoretically, of creating a new class for every single interface that you want to create a mock or a stub for. 
You can do all this within your unit test, and this is short and concise. C Sharp already has anonymous types, and it's kind of like that. And so that's something that I've learned again, or shall I say I discovered within functional programming that can carry over into just general test automation. Again, I haven't done it in practice, but I will in regards to future projects that I'm working on. Anything that encourages a higher possibility of success or probability of success, should I say. And then just as you were starting to describe some of that, it made me think of link and lambdas that exist and are around in C Sharp. Have you noticed any of that transferring? Did you use that before or have you gone back and started oh, yeah, taking yeah. advantage of more of that recently? And was that something that actually helped the transition if you used it before to actually get a little bit of understanding of this? So where did that fit in with your learning and how has that been affected? For me, C Sharp's link library, it did not map. <laughs> For me, the F Sharp constructs, it didn't. So within C Sharp, when leveraging link, any class that implements I enumerable can be used in link, right? They automatically leverage these static methods that link provides, such as where, first or default, single, single or default. All these different static methods that link provides are on these objects. Okay, notice how I said objects. Within F sharp, again, I'm a beginner, so I might butcher this. But what I found is it's not like Link the way that I, I would expect it. Yes, the behaviors are there. Instead of where you have filter, instead of select, I think within F-sharp you have choose. But the difference is within F-sharp, these are static methods, which means that you are referencing a static type and you're calling the static methods, or in this case, the functions off of the type. So you say list.filter, list.length, which is the same thing as count the number of items within the list. Everything within F-sharp, my understanding, my practice, has been that all of your operations, or specifically functions, are attached to static classes, where within link, these static methods, yes, they, they're static classes, but within C-sharp and the, and the ceremonies that, that you can do with C-sharp, you can invoke them on objects, specifically objects that implement I enumerable or basically objects that represent a collection. And so to answer your question, no, it wasn't easy for me to transition from link to F sharp because yes, they're both, they both rely on functions, but it's who's hosting the functions that it was just completely different. And so you, and also the combination of using pipe operators within F sharp that it's hard for me to articulate, but it was a complete paradigm shift. And so again, as I was picking up functional programming and I'm still picking up functional programming, I highly recommend for anybody coming to F sharp, because I can't speak of any other programming, functional programming languages. I'm going to say this with emphasis. Do not try to relate what you're doing in functional programming to what you're doing in object oriented programming. You're just going to make it harder for yourself. Now, other people can dispute that. They can argue that. And those people are probably more experienced than I am. But as a beginner and someone that considers themselves an expert at object-oriented programming, I found myself having a harder time trying to map how doing something the, the OOP way or object-oriented way to a functional way. All this is going to do is it's going to set you up for, for more confusion, more confusion in a higher learning curve. You have to say... All right, I'm going to completely throw away everything that I've learned. I'm not going to even try to think about Link or Solid or the Gang of Four. I'm not even going to entertain those thoughts when I'm doing functional programming. I'm coming as a virgin. I'm coming as an infant. And I'm just going to learn what functional programming is. And I'm not going to relate it at all to object-oriented. And, and the sooner, if you're like me, the sooner... You can let go 
and just trust the process of functional programming without trying to relate it, your past history, I think the easier it's going to be. I sincerely believe that it's easier for a college student that has no experience or no serious experience with object-oriented programming. I think it's easier for someone to learn functional programming than someone that spent a decade implementing design patterns and, and solid principles. It's that catch of having to release all your preconceived notions of what you know is the right way and learn another way of doing it, right? For me, yes. So you, we talked linked. Have you noticed any use in the change of lambdas in your C-sharp behavior? Have you started taking advantage of that? Because I know some people will write interfaces with just one method just so they can ha- pass around that interface and have stuff. And now that you have link, and I noticed this back doing some Java in the days where you're like, okay, I just have a command object and it's going to be execute, which was the way of essentially creating an object that's your lambda. Have you noticed any of that stuff change or has that pretty much just not been affected either? With F-sharp, it's popular to say that F-sharp is functional first. So what that means is F-sharp is also object-oriented, but the community encourages you to do things the, the functional way. And so I've I've written like a blackjack game in, in F-sharp and WPF. And so within WPF, it, WPF relies on if you do things correctly, maybe not well, correctly is a poor word. If you do things that are encouraged by the industry, then when you're building a, a WPF application, then you're leveraging MVVM, right? Model view, view model. So with that said, because I said that F-Sharp is functional first, or that's what the community wants you to realize or to interpret, there's still commands when you're building an MVVM application, right? Because your presentation is relying on another class for state, and we still have these command objects that have an execute method and a can execute, right? Based on I command, the I command interface. So to answer your question, as of right now, I haven't really recognized any changes when I'm building a client application. Notice I'm not saying a backend system, but when I'm, when I'm building a client-side application, I still find myself doing OOP for the, the view model. And then that view model relies on functions in F-sharp to get state and submit requests. In regards to, I think I understand your question of within .NET or just object-oriented programming, we're forced to, all we want is the command. Well, no, no, we don't even want the command. All we want is the operation. We want the, we, we want to just send out a request and have an operation return a, a result, or in this case, a function return a result. But I haven't noticed really anything that's changed when I'm writing Lambda expressions. Well, one thing that I did learn I learned this yesterday on Stack Overflow was that I can use the backwards pipeline operator within a Lambda if I want to get rid of the parentheses of, I don't know if I would call it an inline function, but yeah, of an inline function. So for example, uh, I'm going to suck at trying to give the example, but just think about this. Think about you have a, a Lambda expression you know, within parentheses, you have fun. I'm speaking F-sharp syntax. Within parentheses, you have fun, and then you have space, and then you have some some parameter called X. And then you have the, the lambda operator, which is uh, a dash and then a, a greater than sign or a, an arrow, right? And then you can put within parentheses like, you know, some function or something. I know I'm butchering this. Uh, I learned that when when using a, within a Lambda expression, you can actually get rid of the, the left parentheses and right parentheses of a embedded function within it and just use the backwards pipeline. And it just, I don't know, it, it makes the code clearer, supposedly. It's kind of hard for me to articulate, but Mark Seaman wrote uh, a good article about that discovery. I'm sure all you have to do is Google it and Google like backwards pipeline operator and Mark Seaman. And you should see the tutorial that does a better job of explaining 
working with Lambda expressions and being able to write legible code. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but between Link and, and Lambda is enough sharp, I haven't really discovered anything except the exception of tuples. Like tuples are just awesome within functional programming or specifically F sharp. Within C sharp, you know, it's, it's very strange to work with because you have like an object called my tuple dot and then you have a property item one. And then, you know, if you want to go to a different item within that tuple, you have to call it, you refer to it as item two. But within F sharp, you just have a delimited set of values in which the delimiter is, you know, a comma and that's it. And so I find myself using tuples in combination with Lambda expressions a lot. And so it's easier for me to, to work with. But besides that, I haven't really noticed much of a difference. Okay. And just because we're getting close on time, I want to make sure we at least cover, because you've talked about all these things that you've found that you've personally stumbled on and have started giving warnings to others, what are some of the resources that you wish were out there that you could easily find? Or if they're not there created or at least made public if they are there, what are some of those things that you think the community is missing for someone coming up and has a bunch of OO experience that's needed to help bring F-sharp to a broader audience and make that path easier so more people can get into it? Yeah. All right. So I just pulled up my, my Kindle library. And so there's a recent book. I think this book has been out for maybe like four months now. It's called Expert F-sharp 4.0. And it's the fourth edition. But you don't care about the edition because it's Expert F-sharp 4.0. So that book it's probably the best book that I have on F-sharp. And I have a lot of books on F-sharp based on this journey that I've been on. And so this includes Don Syme, which was the language designer of F-sharp, and some other contributors as well. I hope they don't get mad at me for not mentioning their names on this podcast. So that was one book, Expert F-sharp 4.0. Another book is The Testing Side of F-sharp. And so the title of this book is called Testing with F-sharp. And the author of this book is Mikhail London. I know it doesn't say Michael. It's spelled M-I-K-A-E-L. Anyway, the name of the book is called Testing with F-Sharp. And so it was this book that outside of some of the YouTube videos with Scott Vlashen and Mark Seaman kind of explained property-based testing, FS check, which is a, a framework for property-based testing. And they also talk about how to write specific unit tests or scenario-based tests as well. So these are the, the main books that have drove my learning in this journey to learn F-sharp. Other resources are, I think I probably published 50% of the questions on Stack Overflow for F-sharp. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of content on, F, on F-sharp um, within Stack Overflow that you can reference. And... That's pretty much it. There's some other books that I have, but they're they're pretty math heavy and I, I had to put it down. In regards to other sources, I highly recommend people YouTube or just look for videos on Mark Seaman. Mark Seaman also has a Pluralsight. He has a, a number of Pluralsight courses. He has his own curriculum, really. So check him out, Mark Seaman on Pluralsight. And also look at some videos that uh, Scott Vlashen has put out. And those are the main resources that I've used to try to learn F-sharp. Again, I'm I'm still a beginner. Things are starting to come together. I have yet to write a real system. So I've just been doing katas a lot. What kind of things are missing that you found? That What are some of those things that you think are gaps in there for getting started? So you've mentioned a couple of resources that exist. If you could snap your fingers or wave a magic wand, what kind of stuff do you think you would have access to? So I'm a victim of past experiences, right? Or translated, I'm a victim of object-oriented programming. And so a pattern that I use in every solution that I build is I, I use the pub-sub pattern. So I have some type of message bus static class, and I subscribe and I publish messages. So within Prism, the Prism framework, 
which is the MVVM pr- framework, they, they have the same thing, but they call it an event aggregator, right? And so what it does is it decouples a subscriber from a publisher, right? It, it's the mediator pattern. And so I leverage the pub sub to talk to the outside world. Usually when I, when I want to write to a database or, I don't know, use a, a web server or, or do anything that involves the outside world that's outside of my domain, I like to just publish a message and then do TDD where another class or really an object is listening or subscribe to that message. They take that message and they do whatever they need to do with it. And they manage that relationship with some external system. Within F-Sharp, I haven't got to the point where I have identified how to communicate with external systems. Again, I've been very focused on the functional part. When I did the exercise with the Lego Mindstorm, I guess that was an introduction, but the Lego Mindstorm, that wasn't a system. It wasn't, it wasn't a structured, well-thought-out design system. And so I guess the next stage of my journey is to build out a real system with F-sharp that involves talking to the outside world and to have it testable, you know? And that's something that I haven't really taken the opportunity to figure out in regards to architecture. Yeah, so I guess to make a long story short, how to architect solutions in F-sharp that are complete solutions that interact with with the outside world. So maybe that'll give inspiration to someone who's in the F-sharp community and has done a lot of work with this to either publish a series of blog posts or maybe even go write a book or video series or something that helps outline this because... At least you've expressed a need, and there's probably more there who haven't even gotten to the chance to express it. So that's what I was wanting to ask. There's something else, though. I'm not sure if you're familiar with F-Star. Have you heard of F-Star? I don't know that I have, necessarily. All right. So remember when I was talking about this challenge of making illegal states unrepresentable and how, as a novice, when I try to implement that type of, I don't know what you want to call it, you know, ideology, I find myself working so hard that my code no longer becomes legible because I'm trying so hard to rely on the compiler to make illegal states uncompilable, you know, if I can even say that. So my understanding is F-star is another functional language that's currently in research, brought to you by Microsoft Research. And what's appealing about F-star is that, and this is what I'm looking for, is there's times where I want to create a type that represents a range of values. So for example, there's been times where I decided to, you know, create a kata and to make illegal states unrepresentable, I want to make it impossible to to pass into a function a negative number. You know, this function expects to only have numbers that are greater than zero or maybe greater than equal to zero, whatever. But, you know, in these traditional functional languages, from what I've learned, that's not possible to to create a type that can constrain a range of values that can then pretty much be leveraged by the compiler at a compilation to say, hey, this number doesn't match this expected type because it doesn't fit the range of values that this type expects. But within F-sharp, supposedly, and there's a specific term given to this, you're able to create types based on conditions. And that's something that I really look forward to. And I hope that languages like these that enable people to create types out of conditions that can be compiled as types, I really hope that they materialize. It may not be for another five years or 10 years, But it's it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. And that's pretty much it. So if someone can provide more information on that, then I would be interested because I I would really like to take advantage of all the, the major strengths of functional programming. And right now I'm struggling to figure out what has been proposed in theory, what really works in the industry. And that's been a journey for me. So we're coming up on the end of time, but so is there anything else you'd like to plug or 
are you going to any other upcoming conferences? Are you making another NDC London appearance or going to any of the, I think there's a couple of SGR conferences here in the U.S. Or is there any place that people can find you or follow you and like come up and see what's going on with you in person? Yeah. So the NDC London was my very first conference that I went to. I mean, yeah, I go to user groups and stuff. And, you know, I've been to Tech Ed and Code Camp down here in, in Florida. But I feel as if there's a lot of great minds, specifically in F Sharp, but I don't, they haven't really exposed themselves publicly within the United States. Yes, there's, I think, Rachel Reese, and there's another individual, I can't think of his name right now, that, that have been in the spotlight, that are thought leaders here locally in the States. But I wish that other people that are very productive within F-sharp would show themselves because it, it gets expensive traveling to other countries, especially crossing the Atlantic, to try to learn from, from the best. And it costs a lot of money. So if there's some, some F-sharp gurus that are here in the States, I would love to, I don't know, catch up with you, read your articles look at your videos, whatever, please, please expose yourself so I can learn from you. I want to give back and I'm looking for ways to do so right now. I feel like I'm constrained to just recording my discoveries on my blog and, and asking questions on Stack Overflow. But yeah, I, I wish I wish that there was more of a F-sharp community here in the States because right now it's kind of challenging for me to find that. That's pretty much it. And that sounded like a call to action, but do you have any other specific call to actions that you want to give for the audience, or is that one it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Call to action is, hey, it's 2016. I'm thankful for, for object-oriented programming, all the C-sharp and Java. But if you notice, like, C-sharp is, especially with the, the preview of C-sharp, it's, it's starting to steal from, from F-sharp. For example, pattern matching, and also uh, records. And I think that the powers that be are starting to recognize that, that F-sharp or functional programming right now may have more advantages in a lower, I can't say this confidently, but probably has a lower probability of failure compared to object-oriented languages. And so... I understand that, you know, mainstream is mainstream, but I'm calling out the powers that be. Anybody that believes that software development is a lifestyle and they've been investigating functional programming and they, they have recognized value that some of these defaults with functional programming is a good thing. And some of the tools that are associated to functional programming is a good thing in which they encourage a higher probability of success with projects. Like, Let's move the ball forward. Let's no longer be prisoners of object-oriented design and constraints. Let's get functional programming into our industry as the new generation of, of building systems. I understand that you want to have the, the best tool for the job. I completely get that. But honestly, based on what I've learned, what I've learned is this. Human beings are creatures of habit, and I learned from experience that Humans are stuck in their comfort zones, right? And so they're going to continue writing code the way that they've been writing code. So what does that mean? I think it means that we need to provide some technologies, some languages that enforce certain discipline. Well, not, not enforce, completely removes the need to have discipline because by default, this is how you do it. And so the more that we rely on safe defaults by design, I think the higher probability of success. And we, we just need to get functional programming in as a serious as a serious language for it to be mainstream. Like I don't I don't want to do C sharp and Java for another 10 years. Okay. It's I'm a disciplined developer, but I'm tired of working with other developers that are not disciplined. So let, let's let's pull in you know the, these newer technologies, these newer philosophies and ideologies, and let's start maturing it. Okay, because right now it's I think it's proven that functional programming is is a safer language to build serious systems in. So why don't we behave like that? And that's it. Units of measure. 
You know, I mean, I'm sure that there's probably white papers written about the Mars rovers or whatever they tried to deploy onto the Mars surface in which there's a calculation issue between the American measurements versus the metric system. So hence, F-sharp has the UNICEF measure, which at compile time will throw errors when you're trying to compare like apples to oranges, right? And so we have better tools now. So let's do it. And that's a pretty good and strong call to action for everybody to take away from. So where can people find you online to follow your journey and keep up with you and see what's going on and share in your lessons? My business and my, my Twitter name is bizmogger, bizmogger.wordpress.com. You can find articles probably every couple of weeks. I was going every day for three weeks straight, and then I, I burned out from it. But I bizmogger on Twitter, and I love learning. I don't care who it comes from. And honestly, as much as I preach my interest in functional programming, if anybody is interested in, in establishing a software shop, that wants to brand themselves on being functional experts. I'm not an expert right now, but I guarantee you at my pace, I'll be an expert in 24 months. Please, I would love to set up a shop here in the States. And that's it. That's how you find me. That's how you discover me. My email is scott.nimrod at bizmonger.net. And I love working with passionate people. So thank you. And I'll get those added to the show notes so people can follow you along and find out more and keep up with you. I'd like to give a giant thank you to David Belcher for the logo. And once again, thank you very much, Scott, for taking your time and joining me today. It's been informative and nice and refreshing to see that perspective of someone just coming into functional programming in general and some of those lessons that even a couple years into the journey, you can start to forget what that transition is like just because you've started getting used to it. So thanks for sharing and giving your experiences and giving feedback of what the ecosystem looks like now. Yeah, I appreciate you providing a platform for me to speak on properly. Thank you again. Thank you. Until next time, this has been Functional Geekery.